You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's up, you guys? Hope you are doing well. We are in part two of our series, The Gospel of John. We are walking through some key elements of the Gospel of John over the summer, and uh, it's been really good so far. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and his interaction with a man named Nicodemus, and that's in part one of the podcast. So if you didn't catch that, you can still listen that. We're going to jump ahead a little bit this week, but not too much, just the next chapter uh, in John chapter four. And we're going to see an interaction between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. But before we jump into the passage, I think it's important that we set a little bit of context here. First and foremost, the Jews and the Samaritans absolutely despised one another. They had for centuries, and we don't have time for all of the details, but the Samaritans were essentially mutts in the eyes of the Jewish people, or if you're a Harry Potter fan, mudbloods. Uh, They were descendants of mixed marriages between Israel and the Babylonian Empire. And when Israel reestablished themselves after Babylon, the Samaritans and Jews were essentially two distinct peoples. That the area of Samaria, this country Samaria, was now separate, separate from the nation of Israel. And the Jewish people would literally walk around Samaria so they could avoid it and the people in it, even though... It was the land directly between Galilee Galilee and Judea, these two places north and south. You could walk directly through Samaria and have a direct line from one to the other, but they would walk around Samaria so they could avoid the dirty country and the dirty people of Samaria. And so on top of all that broken history, what we're going to see is Jesus, who is a Jewish rabbi, a man of faith, a holy man, talk to a woman. And this is an absolute audacious act by Jesus. It seems wild in our own culture, but men, especially holy men, did not talk to women and especially did not talk to Samaritan women, but it's Jesus. So we know that he doesn't really follow the rules. So that's our framework. That's our framework of the story. Let's jump in. We're going to be in John chapter 4. Verses 1 through 9. It says this, When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, that's John the Baptist, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. So there you are. Judea, Galilee, direct line through Samaria. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The very first thing that this woman does is categorize who she is and categorize who Jesus is. I am a part of this group, and you are a part of that one. For her, it created a natural reason why the conversation should not be happening. But for Jesus, there was an eternal reason why it should be. The first point this week is that Jesus broke boundaries. Jesus broke boundaries. One of the most beautiful things about Jesus is that he refused to let human biases keep him from holy conversations. He refused to let human biases keep him from holy conversations. The question is, can we say the same? Too often, I find myself hesitating to have conversations that could have eternal impact 
but because of my own human brokenness, my own excuses, my own biases, my own prejudices, I miss opportunities to have those holy conversations. I say things like, oh, well, those people are this way. This is what they believe. Or those people do not want to hear anything that I have to say about Jesus. They don't have any desire to have my opinion. But here's the thing. If the message that we have is saturated with the love of Jesus, there's not a soul on the planet who doesn't need to hear that, who probably doesn't want to hear that. In our own human relationships, it's never really the message of Jesus that turns people off. It's our own humanity and our own brokenness and our own preferences that that create these dynamics in relationship where people go, I don't think that you value me. I don't think that you love me. And so because of that, I don't really care about your opinion. But if we can build relationship with people people, and prove to them that they are loved, that they are valued right where they're at, and then the message of Christ will start to, to well up within us, and we're just going to be all love and all grace. And when we build relationships, we will speak truth, and there will be challenging conversations. But we can have challenging conversations. We can have really deep really, really deep disagreements with people as long as the love of Jesus is still in our words and actions. You see, Jesus knew that with this woman, what he had to say was incredibly important. It was eternally important. We should know that Jesus wants to have that conversation with us, and Jesus wants us to have that conversation with everyone around us. We cannot let human-made boundaries keep us from God-made callings. We cannot let our own humanity keep us from what God is calling us into, who God is calling us toward. Verses 10 through 14 go on to say, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. The next point is this, living water, living water. This conversation that is happening between the Samaritan woman and Jesus is the same conversation that Jesus is wanting to have with each one of us. Because the truth is this, is that our soul thirsts for something more. That our own human existence is not enough. Our soul thirsts for more. The problem is that just like this woman, you and I try to satisfy that thirst with earthly things instead of heavenly ones. Jesus, using this simple analogy, says you can satisfy your thirst, but you will get thirsty again. And unfortunately, that truth defines a lot of our lives. We look for temporary satisfaction in things of this world instead of permanent satisfaction in Christ. What we have to understand is that if we want permanent satisfaction, if we want eternal satisfaction, if we want things to be the way that they should be for the rest of our lives on this side of heaven and the next, the only answer is Jesus. Here's the truth. 
not all the things that we're trying to find temporary satisfaction in are bad. Yes, we think about sinful things like like uh, drugs and alcohol and, and sex addictions and all these different things. And yes, and yes, and yes, like those those are things that we have to address. But also, there are other things that we try to f- find temporary satisfaction in. It could be a spouse. It could be a job that we love. It could be all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, even good things on earth are earthly. And the only answer to eternal satisfaction will be Jesus and Jesus alone. An important part of our discipleship journey is identifying the things in our lives that we are using as temporary answers to things that only Jesus can fulfill and addressing them head on. That we would be people who are willing to recalibrate our lives and say, hey, even if this is not necessarily a bad thing, it's not as good as Jesus. So it needs to take a backseat to him. If Jesus calls me into something, fantastic. But until I get the green light from Jesus, I'm going to put that on the back burner and I'm going to focus on him and him alone. Here's the next point is that Jesus was providing a way to end the search. The promise of Christ in this moment is that when you receive the living water, you no longer will have to go searching for sustenance anymore. What you are looking for will actually always be with you. That an element of the living water that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit welling up inside of us, being a part of our lives every moment of every day. If we call Jesus Savior, the call on each one of us is to live and lead from the overflow of that well within us. And that means that we then get to be a conduit of Christ, helping others end their search, just as Jesus has done for us, just as Jesus did for this woman. See, what happens when we accept the living water, when we decide that that is what we want to put our lives in, instead of searching for satisfaction, we now have the room to start searching for people because we found eternal satisfaction in Jesus. So now we start searching for people, hoping to show them that which we have already discovered. There's a, a friend of mine who's a, who's a pastor in Spokane, Washington, absolutely incredible guy, and his story is wild. I mean, we're talking like, drug dealer, prostitution, like all of these different things. And now he's a pastor of a church. And, and he said a phrase years ago when I was just getting to know him. And he said, God didn't just find me, he pursued me. And now I feel like he's calling me to pursue the hearts of the people in my city. That That is massive. This, this is such a massive statement that Jesus didn't just find me, he pursued me. And now I get to pursue people on behalf of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus yet, would you hear this? He's pursuing your heart. He's not just waiting to find you on the side of the road. Like he is pursuing you. All you have to do is turn around and say, here I am, Lord. Let's, let's do this thing. Like let's step into relationship. He is waiting with open arms. And those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, we get to be a part of the pursuit. We get to help Jesus pursue the hearts of the people around us. That, that our efforts should go into wooing people and loving people, not not into to our arms, not into to make to making ourselves look good or think that we're some kind of savior, but to to push people, propel people towards the love of Christ. And what an honor it is to be able to be a conduit of Christ, pursuing the hearts of the people around us. Verse 15 goes on to say this, Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. So the, the woman responds with an earthly perspective because she doesn't quite understand the heavenly one. The words used in Hebrew for living water were also used for running water. So she is thinking, I am never going to have to lower another freaking bucket ever again in my life. Like This is going to be absolutely epic. It's going to be life-changing. I will not have to draw water from a well anymore. Her focus is still on her physical need. 
And Jesus was about to point out something going on a little bit deeper. Verses 16 through 18, Jesus says, Go call your husband and then come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you have had five husbands, and the man you are now, now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I think we read that scripture and we're like, geez, Jesus, like, chill out, man. Like, it's a little harsh. Like, she's just trying to get water, and all of a sudden, you're, you're pointing out probably like one of the deepest, darkest parts of her life. And we don't know the details of this woman's life and the whys behind her decisions. It's not as simple as this girl just gets around. Like there were significant decisions that had to be made, life-altering decisions, like survival decisions that are happening. But the point of the story isn't to point out sin. It's to point out that there's a spiritual need that Jesus is trying to fulfill. He is not interested in a physical solution. He's looking for a soul solution. The reason this woman is even at the well alone in the middle of the day, it says noon, is probably because she is trying to avoid the rest of the women in her town who would usually draw draw water in the morning and the evening. That's when you would culturally do that because it's the Middle East. It's hot. So you go get your water in the in the morning before the sun comes up all the way, or you go at night to end the day when it's cool outside. But she's going in the middle of the day when she expects nobody to be at the well, and yet the person that she finds at the well happens to be the savior of the world. She had some broken parts in her life that needed some working on. And here's the thing. So do you. So do I. We have broken parts that need some working on. The question is, are we willing to identify the deeper need? Are we willing to identify the deeper need? It could be really easy for us to gloss over the deep work that needs to happen in our lives. We want the quick fix. We want the running water so we don't have to draw from the deep well. We're like, Jesus, tell me where I can get that thing so I don't have to lower the bucket anymore. I don't want to have to go down and do the deep work. I just want this simple, quick answer. But here's the thing. When we do the hard work of identifying where we need to course correct, we find that the solution is simple. It's Jesus. And I'm not saying that it's easy. There's not nothing easy about following Jesus, but it's simple because it's just Jesus that we don't have to figure out the way because he has told us the way. We just follow Jesus trying to become a little bit more like him each and every day. Verses 19 through 20 go on to say this, sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. So she identifies, I can see that you're a prophet. I can see that there's something different about you. You just spoke into an area of my life that the only people who know are a part of my community, but you are not a part of my community. You're a Jewish rabbi. You just came in here and you're like, yeah, you've had five husbands and the guy that you're with right now, not your husband. And she's like, I can see that you're a prophet. But then she says this, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And it's kind of like, wait, what? What just happened? You're looking for now a theological answer. I can see that you're a prophet and you just called out my mess. Let me ask you a theological question that has nothing to do with the statement that you just made about my own personal life. She identifies that he's different, but then tries to distract him and avoid the subject. But Jesus isn't distracted. In fact, he takes her comment and he just uses it and just speaks more truth. He says, 
Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. The question that you have, it really doesn't matter. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those worship Him, those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So it's not about a location. It's about spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. That guy who you're waiting for, who's going to bring the answers, I'm standing right in front of you. The next point is this, is that it is not how, it is who. It is not how, it is who. Well, she started to ask these theological questions and, and oh, I want clarity on what the right process is and, and where, what's the right location, all these different things. Jesus is making it really clear in, the mo- in that moment that the location of worship no longer matters. All that matters is that God the Father is worshiped and that he's the son of God and that it, through the Trinity, he is the God that she is looking for. For us, we probably aren't thinking about what mountain is the correct one to worship on, but we can probably we can absolutely get distracted by our own lives, and we can get distracted by the processes of worship instead of focusing on the person that we should be worshiping. That that life comes at us fast, and we start to feel conviction, and we start to question things, and we, we start to get confused, and all these different things. And what we then start to kind of figure out is, what are the details of that? Like, what's the how? It's like, what's the nuts and bolts of how I should be? Li- Jesus is the one that we should be focusing on. Instead of, instead of getting confused and wrapped up in all the extracurricular, would we just say, no, Jesus, Jesus alone. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. If we focus on him, everything else will come into clarity. I think a lot of the time Jesus is looking at us saying, hey, focus. What you're looking for, I'm right here. In the middle of your brokenness, I'm right here. In the middle of your questions, I'm right here. In the middle of your confusion, I'm right here. In the middle of your excuses, I'm right here. Just look at me. The last two passages that we're going to look at, verses 20, uh, 27 through 29 and verses 34 or 39 through 42, kind of wrap up the story. So just then his disciples arrive and they are amazed that he was talking with a woman. <laughs> I love that it says that. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? The disciples have spent enough time with Jesus. They're like, if Jesus wants to talk to somebody, just let Jesus talk to somebody. All right. Like, we're not going to question be like, oh, culturally, man, like you're not supposed to be. He's like, we don't want to get scolded by Jesus. Just let him talk to whoever he wants to talk to. Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I'm going to skip ahead 10 verses because then it, it talks about the the solution or, or, or the result of this woman going and talking to people. It says, Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So then the Samaritans came to him. They asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said, and they told the woman, We no longer believe because of what you just said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this is really the Savior of the world. They believed because of what she said. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. The woman with the husbands? Her testimony? The woman that's living with a guy who's not her husband? Her testimony? Oh yeah, maybe we should stop, start calling her the outcast. Stop calling her the outcast and we should start calling her 
the evangelist, the one who testified about Jesus, who told his story and told hers. The last point this week is leave your water jar. A personal interaction with Jesus made her drop that which she was using to find temporary satisfaction, right? She came to the well with her water jar. She came to receive temporary satisfaction. And Jesus says, go. And she drops the water jar and she goes and tells people. She testifies about who he is. It led to her not being able to contain the story. It led to her not being able to contain her story, the messy, broken parts, the worst parts. She went and used her story and it led people, literally led people back to Jesus. That story can be our story. Would we be people who are willing to drop our water jars, drop that which will only get us temporary satisfaction and find eternal life in Jesus and then tell everyone about it? It can be so easy for us to look at certain parts of our lives and say, God couldn't use that part of my story to impact people. Yes, he can. There is not a soul on earth who have surrendered to Jesus, cannot be used to testify about who he is. We get to be people who use our stories and the way that Jesus gave us eternal satisfaction to impact the lives of other people. And that is good news. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.